0: On the Empire Podcast this week, 40 Shades of Green meets 50 Shades of Grey as Jamie Dornan drops by to talk about his double whammy of the ninth life of Louis Drax and Anthropoid. Plus, the usual news and nonsense on the movie podcast, I was shocked, shocked by the levels of innuendo in last night's Great British Bake Off. In fact, I was so surprised, I nearly popped my cookies all over my wife's flowery baps. Hello Pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the Empire Podcast, which once again is you're right? You okay? <laughs> I'm appalled. I'm appalled. Mary Berry said I could eat some carpet. I loved she that did. bit. Yes. <laughs> I mean
1: I know, I know. We all heard it. We all sniggered. As a nation.
0: <laughs> Glorious moment. Hello pod, I'm Chris Hill and welcome to the Empire Podcast which once again is sponsored by the kings of the skies American Airlines who are also, as it happens the headline sponsors of our amazing entertainment extravaganza coming your way from September 23rd to 25th at London's O2 Empire Live but with two flights a day from Heathrow to LAX on its new planes American Airlines is the preferred airline of the entertainment industry soaring high above the competition and with 260 movies and 240 TV shows available on demand on board it means you can fly around the world 26 times 26 times watch everything and still probably have a film starring The Rock left over because all films star The Rock it seems so there you go so very very excited to have American Airlines on board once again it's all good this week on the Upper Podcast I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning first up is our geek queen a lady who also loves a bake-off in fact her showstopper (sighs) <sighs> I would be really uh, an edible, shirtless Sam and Dean Winchester right. that is sure to impress, says here, uh-huh. Paul Hollywood. Goodness. Is this true? Would you make... I mean, so what would that... It has to be 30 centimetres. <laughs> it has to stand up of its own accord. Right. And would it be an edible shirtless salmon, Dean? Is that what you would go for? Your showstopper?
1: That is absolutely not what I would go for. What would you go for? Uh, obviously a dragon, Chris. Come on.
0: <laughs> Still can't believe I haven't tailored these uh, intros to reflect your love of Hamilton.
1: I know. I could. I could. I could build the Hamilton stage out of gingerbread. Basically, because it's a, an empty stage, it would be relatively easy. Not ham. No, because that wouldn't be baking, really. I mean, I know you can bake ham, but it doesn't really count as I mean, it really
2: depends which week it is, doesn't it? I mean, if it's not gingerbread or biscuit week, then yep. you can't if do it, it ham week.
1: They've never had a ham week, though, have they? Well, well but they've
2: had even, a savoury week.
1: Yeah, but you still wouldn't construct it entirely out of ham, is no, what I'm there'd saying. there'd be some sort
2: of flaky pastry.
1: That's what I'm saying.
2: Right. You could okay. have a ham week.
1: Okay, so we could do it out of ham pastries. We could build the Hamilton stage out of ham pastries. Yes. Okay. I will. And isn't ton happen.
0: the way the French pronounce tuna? So you could have ham and tuna.
1: Uh-huh, and then you just got ill in the middle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would get ill in the middle after, after <laughs> that. Boom, boom. Here I'll wait, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, you've heard him already. We also have our very own northern powerhouse, a man whose Bake Off showstopper would be an amazing recreation of Mount Rushmore, uh, the the mountain range that is famous, most famous, I would say, for appearing in National Treasure. Two. Um, no other movies. Two, is it two. two Ed Harris. Yeah, Ed Harris. That's hell, where man. the Lost Cities of Gold is. Where's the Book of Secrets? Where Where is that in that film? Because I imagine there's a big recipe book, but wh- where is it? Well, the Book of Secrets leads you to the
2: City of Gold, right? Right. But Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Book of Secrets is not my specialist subject. I'm, I'm really mostly <laughs> about the first one.
1: Was Was Book of Secrets hidden in the Queen's desk? Was that what it no, was? Isn't it Something a, was hidden in the Queen's desk. Isn't it? Isn't it in a
2: library? They went you to, goes the library to a presidential Con- library. They went, no,
1: they went to the Library of Congress, didn't they? Uh huh. And then and then they went to Buckingham Palace and they broke in this and I think a desk or some kind of piece of furniture probably used for I mean, writing. It that is one of the
2: the world's greatest heists. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the Scottish accent that he does. Oh, yeah, and the very so geographically
1: good. confused police chase that follows through the streets of London.
2: I mean, that's, that's a standard thing. We just watched a film that we can't mention, mm. that we watched. Yeah. Um, but there is a, a hideous geographical oh, yeah. fault at the end of it mm. in that something that is a landmark that we see is not next to a pier. Yeah. <laughs> Narrow that
0: one down. <laughs> <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be tricky. But there you go. National Treasure Book of Secrets. <laughs> I did not know that because uh, I just remembered it being a National Treasure. I just remembered Nick Cage National uh, Treasure, around. International Treasure. And it's treasure. never been in any other movies, as we know. Mount Rushmore. So yeah. most famously associated with that movie and nothing else. So time now for questions. By the way, um, last week we discussed movie campfires and we challenged people to you know come up with ones that we hadn't suggested. And I think the world and its wife mm-hmm. literally has suggested, everyone everyone I've never seen so many people write in about anything angry or just disappointed yeah right okay that's worse in many ways disappointed that we didn't get it and it is of course the campfire scene in
1: Star Trek 5 oh Final row 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 your boat row
2: row row your boat we didn't get that one I mean this is favourite campfire scenes was what we were asked right
1: yeah, and I guess that's the bit of Star Wars Five. That- Star <gasps> Wars. <gasps> I apologise to all, holy everyone shit, out there. just everyone. I holy shit. That is the bit that everybody liked in that film, and uh, and then and then it went downhill from there. You watched it recently, Johnny? You know. I watched this. it
2: twice recently. Yeah.
1: Oh. Yeah, I mean the, the whole Yosemite bit is great you know is climbing it? El Capitan that's cool I don't care who you are there's a documentary on Netflix at the moment it's called Valley Uprising it's all about climbing in Yosemite and it's incredible I highly recommend it to everyone it made me sort of gasp and, and shriek and cover my eyes just watching it so I can't imagine that I'm a born climber but uh, no yeah. well
2: you know let's get to Yosemite let's find out
1: it's a good I'll place. get some rocket boots yeah I do think those would help
0: they would they would a lot of people suggested that and uh, seen in Dead Man seen in Django Unchained Slow West Lord of the Rings Stinky Maggoty Chips all sorts of movies but yeah it was uh, Star Trek 5 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles someone wrote in saying that as well so but uh, yeah, apologies for that never occurred to me never occurred to me at all. Well, that's
1: because you've been trying for years to block the memory of that film out of your head, yeah, you, Chris? Yeah, pretty I mean, much. All those therapy session, sessions have now gone to waste.
0: They certainly have, because it's back. It's, it's back. back in my head. It's back in my head. But this week, we, we do have a question, uh, and this week's question is a very, very sad question, The question I wish we didn't have to tackle. It comes from at Felicity Kate, long-time listener of the podcast. Hello. And it's Hello. Very, very, very simple. Your favourite Gene Wilder scenes? Because, of course, this week, very, very sadly, at the age of 83, the great, the Legendary Gene Wilder passed away following a battle with Alzheimer's and passed away Monday night. Yeah. Well, the news was announced on Monday night. And uh, so we've had a few days to reflect on his impact and what he means to everybody. I'm uh, very, very sad about this. Have oh, you guys uh, done any like interviews about it on like the
2: radio or TV? Just a couple. One yeah, seconds. just, yeah.
1: Yeah. But no, it's, it is, it, I think the reason that there's been all those interview requests is because it actually really shook people and really moved people in a way that, you know, maybe we wouldn't have expected on paper in some ways and that he didn't make that many films he obviously hadn't been active in in many years because he'd been he'd been ill for the last few and i i didn't really i wouldn't have guessed that there would be this big a reaction to his death and i don't mean that in any sort of disrespectful way but i just i didn't necessarily think that way and then when you look back of course at the films that he made they are astonishing and they are favorites and they are kind of they have endured way beyond what i think anyone could have expected at the time most notably of course the likes of young frankenstein the like of Blazing Saddles and of course Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory which seems to be I think the reason that a lot of people connected to him very early on in their childhood
0: yeah I, I did a, a series of interviews about it on about his death on Tuesday at the BBC and they had a number of like all in, you know more than newspapers mm. and every single newspaper went with the same image literally every single newspaper there wasn't a single one from broadsheet to tabloid to the unspeakable filthy rag I will not even mention and they were all using it all using the same image of him as Willy Wonka uh, which I think says something about his impact in that role even though that movie didn't really do that well when it first came out no it was a Um, bit
1: of a disaster
0: absolutely I was thinking about it recently because we have a friend of mine wrote a piece on Young Frankenstein which I'm hoping to run at some point down the line really really good piece and just remembering how good he was in that film uh, how much I love of that film. And I was just thinking, oh, I wonder what Gene Wilder's up to these days. Because he wrote his autobiography a few couple of years ago and he was doing interviews for that. It's about three or four years ago I guess, before the, the Alzheimer's really really took hold. But yeah, amazing amazing, wonderful idiosyncratic, singular talent. But, that's not the question. The question is, our favourite Gene Wilder scenes. So, what are our favourite Gene Wilder scenes? What are our favourite moments? Well, I read uh,
2: a piece on Letters of Note. Did, you, did anyone else see yes. that? That letter that, was- that he wrote to Mel Stewart, his uh, Willy Wonka director, and said which said, "I'll play this role." And was talking about his costume. But one of the things he said is that when Willy Wonka first appears, where he comes out and he's struggling to walk with his cane, then he yeah. does a fall, but it's a forward roll. He leaves the cane, and then suddenly he's okay. And that I, the idea was that is from that moment on, you would never know if Willy Wonka was telling the truth or not. And I hadn't really given that scene much thought for a long time, but just that ability to mm-hmm. see, you know, how the character should be introduced and what would be good for the character before he even really, I suppose, like really put uh, too much thought into it because he'd just been offered this role or, or whatever. It was right at the start of the process. That seems to me to be a mark of the man, yeah, really, and a mark of the actor and the performer and the the intelligence that he had. Mm-hmm. So I th- that scene has gone up remarkably in my estimation since reading that.
1: And also his costume notes for the same thing. It's also on letters of note if you guys are familiar with the site or, or with his brilliant books. He, he had very, very detailed notes on how Willy Wonka's costume should look. Literally down to things like, can you lower the hat by two inches sort of thing so yeah. he, he had absolutely detailed vision of how the character should be and I think that's one of the reasons that it is so indelible and that so many people love it um, I have issues with that film I'll be perfectly honest but none, none of them are to do with his performance because I think the interesting thing about his Willy Wonka in particular is he is in some ways a tragic hero but also kind of the villain of the piece and I think he, he manages to to tread a line somehow between those two things which I think is, is quite extraordinary
0: yeah he's right that, that, that sequence where they I uh, going down the Chocolate River through the tunnel and it all becomes really weird and psychedelic and yeah. he starts this mantra this really this that rises to this hysterical pitch, which is something he was really, really good at. Uh that you know, that sort of comedy of hysteria. He's terrifying at times, yeah. as Willie Wonka. He's he's malevolent and capricious, and you can't really get a read on him, and yet he's almost Heath Ledger's Joker. He well
1: <laughs> No yeah. pencils, no pencil tricks, luckily, but yeah.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's he's fantastic in that. So that's your that's your moment. 'Cause I saw that as a, a gift. That was that was a gift that was doing around and one of the one of the actresses in the movie, I'm not sure which one, said that um they didn't know he was going to do that the oh. cast didn't know he was going to do that uh, so it's a fantastic moment that was one of the, the very early gifs that went round to Twitter in the wake of his death what's your favourite moment?
1: I like Young Frankenstein uh, Johnny was just playing this in the office before we came in and I burst out laughing just hearing it I wasn't even looking at the screen but putting on the Ritz I just I mean just I, mean, I it's kind of Peter Boyle's moment you know he's he's the one who, who bellows the line and gets, gets the laugh but it only works because Gene Wilder is there, you know, looking elegant, dancing beautifully, <laughs> singing beautifully, and then the beast bellows. Do you know what I mean? It's it's perfectly, perfectly timed. I just love it. It's such awesome. a good moment.
0: Yeah, it is awesome. Uh, of course, he co-wrote Young Frankenstein. So it did, was yeah. his idea. The his whole, idea. Yeah, the whole kitten caboodle. Yeah. My God, where do you start? Um
1: The Waco Kid also. The Waco Kid.
0: Yeah. I mean I I, I love Blaze and Saddles. And again, he was a very generous performer. He wasn't the lead in Blaze and Saddles. He doesn't really he doesn't appear in Blaze and Saddles until um, you know, someone's gonna correct me here, but it feels like twenty, twenty five minutes in. He doesn't you know, there's a lot of preamble before you get to, to him. He's just amazing. I was watching so many little clips and gifs and all sorts of stuff over the last few days of of Gene Wilder, and his sense of timing is just astonishing. So, you know, one of his introductions in the wake of in, in *Blazing Saddles* is when someone he, he says to Cleveland Little, he goes, uh, he says, w- "What do they call you?" He says, "Well, some call me Jim." <laughs> no, 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 well, well, my name is Jim, but some call me. Jim and you think he's going to say something really dramatic and amazing and he doesn't um, but my favourite joke from that and it's never fails to make me laugh is when he's showing uh, Cleveland Little why he is no longer a gunslinger and he, he raises his hand level flat level and <laughs> Cleveland Little goes well that doesn't look so bad and g <laughs> goes by well, I shoot with this hand and he brings up his other hand and is shaking all over the place that's just that's just amazing I love that so much he's so good in that film but my favourite moment is everything you wanted to know about sex but we're afraid to ask the Woody Allen movie where he he plays a doctor in one segment who is told by a patient an Armenian farmer comes to see him and says I'm in love with a sheep <laughs> <laughs> And Gene Wilder's reaction to that Is Absolutely glorious It's just kind of elongated extended double take that lasts about 45 seconds you honestly you want to stop watch this thing it's he's incredible just, he looks at the guy he looks away he looks back he looks away again he goes uh, uh, you know and most of the comedians I think would have just they would have chickened out and they would have gone okay 10 seconds that's enough I've, I've done it now but he absolutely draws it out as much as you can possibly draw it out and it's so funny it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen
1: it's so good I was watching that that scene again as well after you I think you put it up on Twitter and yeah. you know his eyes kind of flick to one side like he's kind of imagining what he could say next and what yeah. the reaction would be and then there's a smile playing around his lips like he's trying not to laugh and he's yeah. being professional or am I being played
0: an... here what, what's you know what's happening and
1: he's so the you can see, you can literally see his mind working the yeah. whole time and then he sort of goes
0: oh yeah <laughs> and then of course he the farmer brings a sheep in and he falls in love with it and there's a whole thing but it's uh he's so good he's so good and then of course there's stir crazy when he and richard Pryor go to prison for the first time mm-hmm. for the first time like they go loads of times <laughs> uh, for the first time and they're trying desperately to prove to the other inmates that they're hard
1: his walk in that scene oh my god it's, yeah
0: it's extraordinary it's extraordinary and even though I don't like the film I watched this when I was a kid uh, as I did with most Jim Wilder movies and the bit in Scene of Evil where he holds someone up with his erection do you, do you remember that? are we allowed to like this film still? are we allowed to find it funny? I don't know political correctness I
2: don't know. would suggest to me not but I really like the uh, the scene where he's having his mugshot taken I don't
0: remember that scene I just remembered the erection bit right, that's, that's all I remember because I was probably at the right age Yeah, and it stuck in my mind Say said so, nothing so there you go well, take me through the mugshot scene the mugshot
2: scene is obviously um, he is deaf and uh-huh. uh, Richard Pryor is blind uh-huh. and so she's trying to get um, Gene Wilder to face forward uh-huh. and obviously communicating through Richard Pryor but he can't tell when he's doing it wrong and <laughs> it's just uh, you know I mean those two I, were, those two are yeah. wonderful together and make like kind of hokey material kind of
0: work yeah absolutely and, yeah, yeah no I think that's one of the, uh, the best examples of that I feel I need to go and revisit that I feel I need to revisit a lot of stuff of Gene Wilder but uh, there you go Gene Wilder passed away age 83 this week An amazing amazing talent will be much missed Uh, and thank you for the question uh, Felicity Kate if you want to get in touch with the Empire podcast and have your question read out and tackled by us uh, you can do so via several methods you can twitter us we're on the twitter machine at Empire Magazine correct there we go seamless first take (laughs) no one's gonna know we re-recorded that one hashtag Empire podcast Uh, and you can Facebook us on the Empire Magazine yes also and you can email us podcast at empireonline.com there you go all good all good uh right Let's have some movie news. What's happening? What's happening?
1: What's happening? Oh, so many things. Um, Can I start with the the most confusing piece of movie news I've maybe ever heard? Can we we deal with that first? Because I need someone to explain it to me. Okay.
2: I don't know what it is. Okay. I'll explain it to you. I don't know what it is, but
0: I'll explain (laughs) it to you.
1: Thank goodness I've got two veteran mansplainers here. It's going to be brilliant. I'm mansplaining
0: Uh, as well. You can't see it, but trust me.
1: Please don't show me. Transformers The Last Night with a K, which is, of course, the upcoming Michael Bay Fifth quill? Um,
2: uh, um, I mean, it's the fourth quell, isn't fourth it? Fourth
1: quell. Okay, the fourth quell to the original. Anyway, it's it has cast Liam Garrigan, fine, as King Arthur.
0: Why Why would that be weird? Why, would, the, why uh, mythic- would that
1: be weird? Why would it be weird to have King Arthur and Merlin in some capacity in a Transformers movie?
0: I don't understand Helen, what's happening. Helen... King Arthur was real.
1: Yeah, okay. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'll. let's go with that. I'm not even okay. going to pick that one up.
0: I've seen loads of movies. Yeah. With King Arthur. Uh-huh. Ergo, he must have been real. I think right? you're using yeah.
1: ergo wrong.
0: vis a vis, concordantly, that's my analysis of the situation. There's nothing wrong with a bit of realism in a Transformers movie. <laughs> Okay.
1: That is true. So, I know ILM agrees with you. They've always gone for realism in terms of lots of moving parts and so absolutely. on. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm not sure anyone else in the world would.
0: Look, Michael Bay is a man who's not afraid to drop a truth bomb every now and again he's not afraid to say that back in the day the dinosaurs were wiped out by Transformers Transformers and uh-huh. there were robot dinosaurs we all know that yeah. we all know the man I mean, look, is covering look, that Look, I up.
1: think we're all on board with that that makes yeah. total sense
0: okay so he's not afraid to show that there were Transformers in the King Arthur times mm-hmm. Arthurian times I believe that's correct and uh, that there were you know
1: is he setting? On. I mean but what confuses me like is he not? Would he not just cast Charlie Hunnam and set up some kind of great crossover with uh, with k- the upcoming King Arthur? There, I mean, surely it's that's a, what you go for. A, it's isn't a different
0: it? studio. It's, I uh, guess,
1: yeah. Michael that's Bay's probably,
0: take yeah. on King Arthur, I'm sure, will be uh, you yeah, know, well, there's going to be a, a little touch of of, of humor there. It's going to be you know, whereas Charlie Hunnam's very down and dirty, very abby, you know, very abtastic right, King yeah. Arthur from what yeah. I've seen so far. I, I don't think he's compatible in the world that Michael Bay has. Uh, so metal metal abs
1: only metal abs and girl abs and no boy abs I guess
0: yeah Yeah. or or he'll probably be be just in like a a, you know I'm I'm not sure that King Arthur will play a huge part in the film do you think it'll be King Arthur was in the TV series a prologue was he? yeah there you go
1: oh I didn't know that you see
2: yeah yeah
1: do you, do you remember what he did there? Or well, I just read it. I mean, oh, so okay. it was, it was almost the same. Sure.
2: It was a mugshot scene. Uh, they uh, they entered a cave. It turned out to be a portal to sixth-century Britain. There you Of course, go. it was. There you uh, go. I'm,
1: I'm sorry, that's I it. ever doubted this whole plan. That's it, it makes sense now. Um, I should mention, by the way, that Gargan already played King Arthur in Once Upon a Time. Well, of course. Um, he did. So he has he has form. He can do it already. We know that.
0: Yes, so that's good. Unless, of course, he is the real King Arthur, cursed.
1: So he ca- he to went into play himself. <laughs> he went into a cave and appeared. Yeah. <laughs> in 21st yeah, in the twenty-first century.
0: In audition, name King Arthur, <laughs> Knight of the Round Table. So this guy's gone method. Okay, you've got the role, sir. Please, sword away, don't kill us. Yeah. <laughs> and this is it. All he can do now is get work on that because obviously Law and Order is cancelled, so we can't get so work. So that on would
1: that. mean we are in Avalon right now. Wow. And this is it's not how no. I imagined it. This is the f- <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> No, it's a bit more grand depressing than I imagined Avalon to be. Well,
1: not just the pot booth, but you know, the whole world is oh, Avalon. Okay. And and the once and future king, this is his future. This is amazing.
0: This table's sort of round. <gasps> it's one of us, King Arthur. I will pull the microphone out of its Oh wait. No, it didn't work. Clearly, oh. I'm not the chosen one.
1: <laughs> I guess not. Oh, well. Anyway, so that was there that story. So it nailed. makes. I think everything makes sense now, and I'm I'm totally okay with it. Totes anyway, nailed. He'll of course be joining Mark Wahlberg, Josh Duhamel, Tyrese Gibson, Isabella Moner. See, so I pronounced it You're right. Actually, I was wrong. Uh, Duhamel, uh, Jared Carmichael, Gil Birmingham, and Anthony Hopkins in Transformers: The Last Knight on June 23rd next year. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm very very excited about June twenty third next year, because obviously maybe on holiday. Yeah, could be, be yeah, summertime. Could be Very very nice. Yeah, nice long summer evenings.
1: So yeah, that uh, that's one piece of news. Uh, one piece of news. Another good. piece yeah. of news involves Ben Affleck and my uh,
0: favorite of all the Flecks.
1: He put up a video, and it seems to show one of DC's more iconic bad guys, specifically Deathstroke. The
0: oh, Deathstroke.
1: And apparently he's planned as a main. Antagonist in the standalone Batman movie. That's the story, apparently, anyway. This is all, you know, cloaked in maybes and we believes and rumors and so on. Mm-hmm. But that is the plan. Now, it's interesting because Deathstroke obviously played a big role in TV's Arrow, where he's played by Manu Bennett, and he was a really, really good villain in that. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they have as much success with him in on the big screen.
2: Will they use the same guy?
1: Probably not. They don't tend to. There doesn't tend to be a lot of crossover between the TV and the. You know, films. Films. That's the word. Uh, I know, it's I a tough one lips. to remember. Well, it's not like I use it re- regularly. But anyway, Deathstroke is, or Slade Wilson as he goes by when not being, you know, a supervillain, um, is an assassin and a mercenary. He's usually a Green Arrow bad guy, mm-hmm. but he does cross over into Batman territory. What is his, what is his plan
0: regularly. in general? To Struck people? people to death
1: <laughs> He's, He's not a very
0: sensual bad guy
1: <laughs> Good lord That's uh, I mean you're, Listen Your Manu Bennett fan fiction Is your affair Chris So uh,
0: uh, yeah, I w- Please I try to keep it Out of the podcast I wouldn't write any uh, Fan fiction about Manu
1: Oh Yes okay Of course <sighs> Wordplay Yeah that, I got it Yeah Thank you More news Yes please <laughs>
2: Stranger Things Hey Actually I don't care about that But oh. I mean <laughs> People seem to Stranger Things are still happening. It's coming back. Yep. Nine episodes. What? Not eight?
0: Correct. Stranger Things, Helen. Stranger Things. So it's back. Next
2: year. uh, And inspired by Alien. So, is or aliens? Have we
0: seen Stranger Things we, here yet around this table? I have seen it. I have. Seen You've it. seen it. I have seen it. All eight episodes. All eight of them. All eight. Okay. Have you seen it? I haven't found the time in amongst catching up with uh, Great British Menu, which is the must-see TV show that's happening right now. Forget Bake Off. What? This Great British menus do I didn't know the Menu was on. Menu's back. Started this week. That's uh, really good. It's a dessert course tonight. Three Scottish chefs going at it. Use Sky Q to uh, catch up. I'm gonna do it right now. Mm. So Sky Q, the box of dreams what are you like <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, wh- why do we think
1: aliens for season 2 of Stranger Things
2: I haven't made that up ever.
1: I I don't know I'm I felt, asking I
2: felt as I said it I was like have I got any where have I read that because I just just felt like it was something I knew and then
0: I was like hmm it seemed risky as it was coming out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be yeah they mentioned aliens. Well no they mentioned you know the idea of sequels uh, you know it expanded on the original.
1: Oh so we're not talking about alien bad guys we're talking about what aliens did to alien like in terms of yeah widening our expansion. Expansion okay. Yeah. Change, Is that what they changing mean by tone good. a little bit potentially? Mm.
2: That'd be nice. I mean maybe mm. if they um, plotted it well that would be good as well.
1: You have some serious issues I think it's fair to say With Stranger Things
2: Yeah and um, more and more people Are uh, emerging Who uh, have similar issues This is true And I'm pleased to call them My people They don't <laughs> know who I am But uh,
0: I've decided That I'm the leader Of their movement I don't know I don't know anything about it uh, Is it oh, it's on Netflix No of course I know What it is I just haven't had the time To get around uh, To uh, actually sit down And watch it It's not my fault The football season started I didn't set it up It's not my fault The Olympics was on I didn't arrange that No you didn't No That's true Did yeah. I? No no I didn't okay thank goodness uh, so there you go Stranger Things is back everyone's going to be back um, unless of course they got killed in the first one I don't know did anyone die in the first one well we think so right we think one did
1: one did yeah. one yeah
0: Yeah. one yeah.
2: Little, little kids not a or? number
1: Not that. that's not a number I mean there's a character called Eleven but there isn't one called One so just okay. to be clear it's right. not One the person I so mean, presumably
2: say, One has died off screen beforehand right if they got to ten, 11 10 of them have
1: Presumably yeah Plus, plus the sheriff's daughter Presumably <gasps>
0: Not the sheriff's daughter
1: No I mean that's like That, that diner problem. guy died The diner guy did die
0: The diner guy dead. And all
1: those agent people died Yeah, No
0: not the agent people Actually loads of people died yeah, Loads of death
1: Like super death
0: Matthew modi has been on Twitter. He's been saying that he, he may be back.
1: Yeah, they, they've been suggesting that, that he might be back in I'm some trying, form as well.
0: My TV show I've never <laughs> <laughs> ever watched But I'm trying to do so I think blandly Evil Man is a fair yeah. description of him. Evil man. Evil, white-haired evil man. Right, there you go. Stranger Things is coming back. Right. That's, yeah. that's exciting. Maybe I'll have time to watch the first eight episodes before it comes out. I uh, think
1: you really should, Chris. Yeah. It's not that long. Um, I know, it's only
0: eight episodes, right?
1: Exactly. Meanwhile, Karen Gillan uh, is joining The Rock in Germany. that's kind of cool yeah Um,
0: see every film starts a rock
1: every film does every film starts a rock Duncan Jones is interested in a Warcraft sequel Um, I don't know if that will happen but
2: China says it will
1: did it really do that well in China it did 400 million worldwide, so that's not actually bad at all by any reasonable standard. That's the threshold but...
0: that you can just about take a gamble on a slightly cheaper sequel, I think. That's that's kind of it. That's the sort of Star Trek in the Darkness, uh, Pacific Rim, World War Said, yes, Said, uh, that kind of threshold. You could just about take a punt as a studio on it, and if it doesn't work out, then you go, oh, well, we only, only spent 300 million. That's fine We'll just write it off But yeah It'd be intriguing to see that, like that one comes back I've got some hot news Bring it I've got Jim Broadbent news <gasps> The best kind of news Yep yeah. Uh, He's just had a croissant Which is very, very nice I'm I'm looking at my live feed here Of Jim Broadbent I've set it up uh, watching him No, he's in Game of Thrones Season 7 It's unclear what role He will be filling in this series But the outlet EW Which is all over Game of Thrones uh, Says it is And I quote Significant? Significant. Now, I'm still hoping that he plays himself.
1: Yes, that would make a lot of sense, I think. Um, he could be the linking we don't know. element between our universe and theirs.
0: Because George R. Martin hasn't... I mean, he's still faffing around, isn't he? So who's to say that he hasn't written I think, entire chapters from Jim Broadbent's point of view? I
1: think working is the traditional phrase that he prefers in terms of describing his activities.
0: Wouldn't it be amazing if, if, if literally Jim Broadbent was in Game of Thrones playing himself and he was it was just him like Gogglebox just watching Game of Thrones and that was his chapter in the Game of Thrones books so you have like you know so it's like a dark tower kind of thing but but with Jim Broadbent but he doesn't interact with the action in any way shape or form so you have all the surviving characters still going on still having their chapter POVs and you know and it just goes to Broadbent oh I fancy a biscuit I might sit down and watch Game of Thrones hmm and just a whole chapter of Jim Broadbent going through his day that would be amazing
1: I feel like you've you've got a very dull conception of Jim Broadbent's life. Have a biscuit. Have a quasar. Like I think he probably does like crazy exciting things whoa, whoa, whoa. all the time.
2: There is absolutely nothing
0: dull about doing either of those things. No. <laughs> it's awesome. Later on, I might go down the newsagents.
1: Okay, you've sold it to me.
0: There you go. Done. That would be amazing. So please, uh, Benioff and Weiss, please, please do that. So Anne Hathaway has uh, signed on to star in a film called *Live Fast, Die Hot*. Which is an adaptation of a memoir Have you read this one, Helen?
1: I haven't actually, everything.
0: Give me half an hour By Jenny Mullen Uh, It says here She was a writer and actress living in New York Until two years ago Her life was exciting, sexy, a little eccentric and 100% impulsive And then they had a son with her husband And she was forced to grow up and be responsible And brush her hair and stuff And uh, it's a collection of stories about what happens when you realise That some things are more important than crafting the perfect tweet That's exciting, isn't it? That's, you know, interesting title
1: Do you believe that there are things more important than crafting the perfect tweet, Chris?
0: No, I do not. Hmm. Okay, so we got one more news story. It's a big one to round off the week, and as if by magic, now she's been here all the time. Just haven't heard her. Is our editor in chief Terry White? Hi. Hi.
3: Johnny's not clapping oh, I'm sorry <laughs> Oh my god Fired yeah. Totally fired
0: Terry hello Welcome Hi Chris Just your second appearance In the Empire podcast In a year Yeah What's happened with that? You're busy I'm a busy you're lady busy. I'm okay. a busy lady Yeah So what's, what's the haps? Why are you here?
3: So I'm here to talk about Empire Live Which is our amazing event Down at the O2 yeah, From yeah. the 23rd to the 25th of September Which presumably oh, everybody on. Currently listening To this podcast is coming to Chris you're there for all of it so yeah it's a huge film and entertainment weekend we're hosting down at the O2 loads of cool screenings live script reads parties live commentaries Q&A's you will be doing the podcast I believe
0: we are we're doing a live podcast there it's going to be very very exciting on the Saturday I believe that's right leave us when we're doing it Saturday Probably. afternoon so yeah it's going to be very very cool we going to have guests it's our biggest one yet in front of the well, biggest crowd it's like huge 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 arena I'm not nervous <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be great. It's gonna anyway, be fine. yeah, it's all good. Anyway, uh, very excited, but there's also just loads of great stuff.
3: Yes. So yesterday we announced um, our opening night, which is going to be a gala screening double bill of two of Daniel Radcliffe's new movies: Swiss Army Man. Ooh, mm-hmm. I'm very great, excited to see that. I know great, some of you have stuff. seen it. I have not yet. Fantastic. And Imperium. Mm-hmm. Two. oos from Helen O'Hara? That's a two. <laughs> that's. I should make that the scale, shouldn't I? For yeah. The O'Hara. Who? Ooh. You try saying that. The O'Hara Who. So, yeah, that's going to open on the Friday night, which we're super excited about. Dan's going to come down. Dan, as I call him, apparently now. <laughs> yeah. um, Daniel Radcliffe is coming down. He'll be doing an intro, on stage QA. So, we are super, super excited about that. And then, other great stuff happening that weekend if you have kids or even if you don't have kids, uh, Frozen Sing Along, Pixar Original Shorts. I believe it's the first time ever that anybody's theatrically shown of all. of the Pixar original shorts together and we have Labyrinth with uh, Puppet Makers Mm-hmm. Train spotting script read the raid with live direct commentary. I mean, I could amazing. go on and on and on, and I mm-hmm. probably will. But um, <laughs> there is tons and tons and tons of amazing stuff, as well as as we kind of alluded to, the Empire team are going to be down there, strong, forceful Empire team. As people <laughs> will come and see, and we'll be hosting lots of things, so pint of milk live, my movie mastermind live, the podcast live. There's going to be an Empire social space called the Hub, where you can just come and hang out with us, meet us, you know, heckle us. That no Always happens. Um, absolutely
0: no eye contact. A
3: no eye contact. Clothes. No. If you, you want to speak clothes. to Chris, speak to Chris's people.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and um, have a window in which to approach me, because uh, my is based on movement as well. So <laughs> just be be careful.
1: Yeah. Um, when, when we want him to rest, we just throw a coat over his head, and then he stops. <laughs>
3: I wondered Just
0: what that was down. at five o'clock every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be amazing. I'm very excited about a, a number of things. Uh, the podcast is is great. I'm really, really excited about that. Always want to do a live one of those. Very excited about Gareth Evans coming down to do the live commentary mm-hmm. on the raid. If I know Gareth, um, I'm doing it with him. So it's going to be shambolic, but in a really, really good way. It's going to be very, very funny. Uh, and if you've never seen the raid before, it may not be the best way to watch it for the first time, but you're going to be having two people talking over it but it's going to be really really good and a really good insight into how he achieved this film on such a low budget
1: it's not going to be a bad way to see it for the first time really because you've got you know the visuals it's the visuals in that film more than the uh, more than the you know dialogue no yeah, disrespect absolutely. to the dialogue but i mean <laughs>
2: it will be distracting though if you are trying to follow a plot
1: <laughs> well yeah but the plot is not the most complicated is it uh, again with the greatest kind of, respect kind of, kind of to, stumped me it's fairly complicated
0: it's, it's, it's so, yeah, it's got some stuff going
1: on. Started yeah, the some bottom twists and turns. Okay, but it's basically get to the top. It's in a nutshell. In a nutshell. Essentially, a nutshell. Yeah.
0: Essentially yeah. yeah. But there's uh, some really good stuff. Uh, yeah. there's a screen of Bill, uh, which is the great Shakespeare comedy from the makers of horrible histories and uh, a number of them will be there as yes. well for a QA, which is which is very be. very cool. Ben Wheatley's gonna be there for a screen of high rise and a preview yes, of free fire. Free
3: fire. So mm. yeah, we're we're really lucky to have this. So, so he's, um, he's coming down. He's going to talk a little bit about it, show some footage, and then we're going to relive High Rise Ooh. together. <laughs> together, holding
0: hands. <laughs> holding and, hands, yeah. crying. Yeah, probably. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I believe you're also leading uh, a panel. Can you tell yes. us about this? so
3: Women in Film and Television, which is uh, going to be a great one where we're gathering together people like Amra Santi, who is confirmed um, to be on the panel, mm-hmm. talking about the challenges facing women filmmakers, women who create both both film and television content and that will be happening in the social space in the hub on the Sunday.
0: Oh, fantastic. It's, it's going to be a cracker. Oh, and the Greasy Strangler.
3: The, I mean, anybody who's read Empire at least for the last three months will understand my uh, one woman kind of campaign for this movie. Jim Hosking, the director, is joining us for a Q&A and honestly, I keep going on about this constantly. I, t- I was telling somebody in the street about it this morning <laughs> and I think this is one of the most interesting films this year and we are having an exclusive preview screening. Down at Empire Live, Jim will be trying to explain what the hell he was thinking when he made this film <laughs> and I urge everybody of a certain age to come and see it.
0: So what else, Terry? What, what else
3: is on the agenda? Uh, something that I think Jonathan Pyle is very excited about, which is the Ghostbusters slime along. So it is exactly <laughs> what it sounds like every time somebody on the screen gets slimed. Uh-huh. So do the audience. I've been trying to get to the bottom of what the slime is made of don't ask and currently haven't had a satisfactory
0: I answer. want to know why Johnny's excited and I'm afraid to know the answer Johnny I've been uh, stockpiling it for months
3: oh.
1: <laughs> way to put people off Johnny
0: yeah, it's gonna be uh, messy. I'm not yeah. sticky. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun.
1: Stop
3: that saying works. words, Johnny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we've also got this is England 10th anniversary mm-hmm. screening. Shane Meadows is one of my favourite all-time filmmakers. Um, we're gonna have some very special guests in attendance who I can't confirm quite yet, but we will have more news on soon. And yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be incredible. Just for me, if nobody else.
0: It's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> and where can people buy tickets for this this Jamboree.
3: So you can buy passes at EmpireLive.com. And from next week, individual tickets go on sale. £12.50 a go, which I Mm -hmm. think is more than reasonable. Mm -hmm. And then when you buy one of those tickets, you get to come and hang out with the Empire team in the Empire Hub in the Brooklyn Bowl.
0: Just remember, no eye contact. Very important.
3: Please, everybody, turn up and just stare at Chris (laughs) en masse.
0: Don't do that. Do tales, that, do, it, do that, do it, it do, it, do it. it Right, that's, it, that's awesome it's three, three weeks to go
3: <laughs> three, weeks three weeks
0: to, weeks to go, go. Shit. I mean, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Three weeks to go, I haven't even started writing the quiz Oh lord It's fine, it'll all be fine Awesome. EmpireLive.com, Terry White. Thank you very much indeed. Chris Hewitt, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Okay, so that was Terry White, like a whirlwind. uh, And time now for this week's guest, like Helen and I. He's from Northern Ireland. Hooray! uh, Which means that neither of us could actually do the interview because this podcast would have needed subtitles. I don't know why I went Irish there. I went actually Irish. This podcast would have needed subtitles, so it would have. He's one of the fastest rising stars in this business we call Show, thanks to roles in the BBC's serial killer thriller, The Fall, which is coming back for a third helping soon and 50 shades of grey which is coming with the emphasis heavily on coming uh, back for more next year Uh, but you'll see him twice on the big screen in the next two weeks first this week in the psychological thriller the ninth life of louis drax and next week in world war ii thriller anthropoid he is of course jamie dornan and he popped into the pod booth this week to talk to phil disemlin this collection of beards it's just like, does Phil have a beard at the moment
1: no he doesn't <laughs> the dissembling beard is currently in, in absentia I just
0: think of Phil with a beard yeah even though I see him every day
1: yeah he doesn't have a beard he hasn't had a beard in months
0: Chris anyway Jamie Dornan enjoy
4: big pleasure to welcome uh, Mr. Jamie Dornan to the Empire Podcast this week. Welcome, sir. How are thank you? Thank you very much. I'm very good. Thanks. Um, pretty good. Thank you very much. Mm. We have a feast of Jamie Dornan over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> We've got The Ninth the ninth Life of, of Louis Drax yeah. on the second. Yeah. And then we have this movie that we're here to talk about today, Anthropoid, on the ninth. Mm-hmm. What the hell are we going to do on the
5: 16th? You're probably, I mean, there's a whole, there's sort of like a back catalogue of stuff you could sort of delve into,
4: <laughs> maybe earlier works, if you're... If, if we're suffering withdrawals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, I wouldn't bother to. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a bit weird, though, to see? Because, I mean, I guess you're doing press for a bit of press for both films and you've got your poster everywhere. Do you feel sort of suddenly ubiquitous again?
5: Um, it's funny. I, I've been sort of living in Gloucestershire for the last while. I mean, I've been away so much last this year, been in Canada for a lot of it. But since we've been back in the UK, we've been sort of camped out in Gloucestershire. So I'm sort of unaware of it, <laughs> blissfully. So I keep getting pictures sent to me, but mates of mine, sort of, you know, pretending to get their dicks out by my face and tube <laughs> posters and um, doing, doing the finger to like my name on a poster in the tube. <laughs>
4: So I know it's <laughs> it's I'm nice aware that it's out there and stuff. Like right. That. It's nice to know that you're still so loved.
5: Yeah, it's great. That's what friends are for, that kind of, you know, just unwavering support. <laughs> is that a new um, sort of poster-based treatment? No, well, I would say, been... if I was in their position, I'd be doing exactly the same thing. I don't think I'd get my dick out like that, but um, right. none of them actually did.
4: Uh, there's one where they're sort of unzipping right by my face. <laughs> yeah, okay, great. Well, the 24-hour <laughs> tube is going to open a whole new possibilities. Yeah, for
5: it's quite exciting. <laughs> that's quite <interesting>, yeah.
4: <laughs> We're here to talk about Anthropoid today, mm-hmm. which is a gripping and, and tough, it's a tough watch, it is a film about the Czech couple of Czech resistance men who mm-hmm. parachuted into Prague yeah. in 1942 to assassinate Heydrich, Reinhard Heydrich, yeah. who's one of the sort of top Nazis. I know people are asking you, Anthropoid, it sounds like some sort of horror movie, yeah. some sort of beast that's crawled out of the primordial swamp, yes. or a sci-fi. But do you know why they called it Anthropoid, the mission? Anthropoid is a Greek term for
5: something like uh, not a man you know it's like something other than human oh okay and the operation was called Operation Anthropoid because that's how they viewed Hydric because he was just you know subhuman evil being you know uh, but I have to go, when I was first sent it you know just in the email and it's like subject anthropoid I was like oh really I don't know if I can I don't feel like I'm in a sort of science fiction-y place right now but then obviously start
4: reading it and went alright oh, okay <laughs> did you think it was going to be one of those kind of from Dust till dawn switcheroos where you're parachuted into Nazi-occupied Prague and then halfway through The Creatures
5: I, I mean look I actually you know
4: by the way you should pitch that to someone <laughs> that's a great idea for a movie <laughs> um, well I think they did that with um, Dead Snow with Nazi, Nazi zombies. Oh, yeah I know what you mean but I haven't seen that film no the most good ideas have already been done yes true
5: and you know this story has actually been told in, in a few different guises before but I think Sean I mean Sean Ellis the director's been trying to make this movie for 12 or 15 years and he's been living with it for that amount of time and uh, you know the story means a great deal to him and you uh, it's amazing being around someone who has such a thirst for the story. I mean, Kelly and I both, admittedly, didn't know anything about this operation before. Um, but it, the, the Czech Republic and Czech people, and just a massive part of their history that shaped their country, you know, forever. Um, so it's one of those stories that you you become sort of ashamed that you didn't know about it, you know, and you're sort of thinking, what the fuck was I doing when? When I was in history class, you know, 20 years ago I
4: definitely wasn't listening, that's why I'm an actor you play Jan Kubes, yep. who Jack O'Connell is playing in, in, in that <laughs> yes. kind of weird way that Hollywood throws up two two films on the same subject. Despite yes. the fact that Sean Ellis has been trying to make this one for 16 years, there's now going to be another one, which is, I think, a very different treatment of the th- story.
5: Th- to the best of my knowledge, I, uh, <laughs> I've read a bit of it because I made my, I was doing a movie with a mate, uh, another Irish actor called Sam Keighley, and he'd, he'd been sent that script, H-H-H-H, rolls off the tongue well. And so I read a bit of it um, but it's a very different take on it they focus a lot more on Heydrich himself and Jason Clark plays Hydrick apparently and it's focusing more on him and his wife played by Rosamund Pike but um, what can you do this happens all the time it,
4: it's funny it really is weird how it happens although I think in this case that they are very very different yeah. treatments yeah. I mean H is not it's, no. a, it's a bit more of a meta yeah. kind of narrative That's of the story just kind of wondering about it's rare that you're in a film like you are with Killian in this one um, where you spend so much time, you know, the two co stars spend so much time together. Mm-hmm. Um, he's mentioned that there was some piss taking going on. Yeah. Who is the l- ringleader of the piss taking? Or are you both equally?
5: I think we're both. Well, the lovely thing about, you know, the friendship I have with Killian is that we approach, uh, I think, life and. Work in a very similar fashion, and we are both very serious about the work. When you know, between building up to it, and 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 um, when we need to focus, we're very focused. And and between action and cut, obviously, we're very much in the game. But but we both like to break away pretty pretty quickly um, in between shots or whatever and uh i think something about both being irish and uh, we maybe have a similar vein of of things that we find funny and humor and we, we 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 definitely have fun but also luckily sean ellis the director a very similar approach as well so we had it was it felt like a very sort of tight little unit the three of us you know we we're very rarely apart and it felt like we were very much in it together from the start, and and you know it it was very brotherly in a way. But with that, and 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 with great admiration comes piss-taking. From from where I'm from in the world, that is our currency. You know, hence the sort of photographs I'm getting sent by my mate. You know, it's like, there's <laughs> yeah. not a lot of sincerity in, this in, in terms of like. appreciation
4: of people, you 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 show your love through slagging people off. So I'm very comfortable with that. Okay, always enjoyed that. So is it like you know I saw Peaky Blinders season two? What a lot of crap that was! That kind of thing.
5: Yeah, yeah, of course. But but if I say that, then he knows that I loved it. Right. Okay. And which I did, by the way. It's a brilliant show, and Killian's incredible. And I've always been a massive fan. Obviously, Killian's way way older than me so um,
4: <laughs> I, I sort of, in a way I grew up watching <laughs> Easton's work You shot in Prague mm-hmm. in, in in a lot of the, like, I mean Berendorf Studios is Incredible historic history. yeah, historic and, and recreated the church. Built where the by film, the Nazis by the way Right, built by the Nazis You actually shot one of the torture scenes in the old Gestapo yeah. actually the same room yeah, as yeah. I mean that must lend an extra sort of authenticity to what you're doing i
5: think that's invaluable that you know uh, having access to to that and also i think you were going to talk about the church we were lucky enough lucky enough to shoot in prague and 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 visit like the real church you know where the sort of siege happened and it is very lasting effect that it has on you going there and the bullet holes are still in the walls and you can see the chunks out of the wall where the you know the grenades had gone off and you know this is where these guys literally had their last breaths and when you were playing these guy, I mean god it really is uh, it's very palpable sense of dread that you have in that place and then Sean arranged with Morgan Kennedy who's our production designer to build in Barandoff Studios uh, to scale set of the church and I, I mean I've done a, a decent amount of work you know but I imagine that when I my career finishes probably in a couple of years um, <laughs> I, I will never have been on a set as incredible is this the attention to detail yeah. of this church was crazy and actually there's one day I went to the real church in the morning and then went to the set that afternoon to do a recce before we filmed and it was, genuine, it was such a head fuck because they were identical totally identical
4: it was creepy some of the numbers on that church, 910 bags of concrete, 90 square metres of glass, 3,300 square metres of wooden boards just to rebuild that church. That's all the, that's... That's like all, all the, the concrete right there. Yeah, right. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
4: Kill in and I <laughs> You yeah, have to you bring got your, got your own clothes. In, <laughs> in pipes. <laughs> You have The Fall, Season 3, Series yeah. 3. It's a it's a great show. I've got to confess, when I finished, I don't want to... I mean, I'm aware that people listening may not have watched up to date at this point, Season right. 2, but it didn't seem like your character had much more path to travel, yes, should we say? I agree with you. He's an obdurate guy, I guess.
5: Yeah, I get... Uh, yeah, look, I think there's... Uh, I mean, there's a million different ways... There's not a million but a couple of different ways that he could remain an active part of the story. So uh without saying too much he's definitely present i think people know i've done in the third series so he definitely has a presence in the third series and one of those ways is zombie clearly zombie w- would be he's a zombie yeah sorry to ruin it for everyone who comes back as a zombie and uh, he's parachuted back in actually and uh, there's
4: nazis involved <laughs> the um, i mean in contrast with working with killing you, you don't really spend a lot of screen time with Julian anderson in this so far very little more in season three can you say we definitely I mean definitely more than the first series
5: and yeah no there, there's 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 some stuff there there's some stuff there I mean but in the second series I mean as much as we don't get a huge amount of time together we did get the big scene that happens in episode 6 of the second series which is I think it potentially is the longest scene in BBC television history I think it ran at like you know 16 minutes or something of just two people sat at a table talking I mean it was I think it was 12, 13 maybe 14 pages of dialogue and I imagine it'll be the biggest scene I ever have to learn so as much as we don't get that much screen time I mean just even one scene like that you know you can learn so much from someone you know and that was my most enjoyable day of work I think I've ever had was just sat with her at a table all day just like at each other, <laughs> yeah, trying to outdo each other. Um, I
4: loved it. It's a great scene. It's it's your sort of De Niro, Pacino heat heat moment. I guess the two of you. Yeah, well, she's who's she? I don't know. What I just I just <laughs> do that analogy. It's early for an <laughs> analogy of that complexity. <laughs> she's I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. Good question. I guess she would be Al Pacino, wouldn't she? If I she's was the, say that yes. Fifty Shades Darker mm-hmm. is coming soon. I want to ask you about about the Fifty Shades project because the first one came with a lot of the, the, the sort of the eyes of the world on it, and you must have felt that. I'm mean, going yeah. mean, I know you did. The second one sounds like it was more fun because you've been sort of unencumbered from a bit of that, yeah. t- a, like laser-eyed attention. I suppose is that is that the case? of you did, you enjoy the shoot more.
5: Uh, no, I agree with everything you're saying about that. Uh, you you're spot on. I think the first film of any franchise there's a, a sort of unique pressure that's applied to it. When it's a franchise that means so much to so many people, and has so many so many people have their own opinion of, of how it should be and how it should look and how people should look and sound, and that that brings with it this palpable, like tangible tension, and it can be quite an uncomfortable tension. So I think the first one was kind of riddled with that. But in terms, in every department, in terms of like this is a, a highly pressured beast that we have in our hands here, and and you're just sort of trying to get it. Right, and then with the, the second two, which we shot two and three back to back. You know, the first one, although not every critic loved it, it's fair to say it made uh, an astonishing amount of money, <laughs> and continues to through, you know, HOD and all that sort of stuff. So the the pressure's off a little bit in terms of um, trying to set the tone and think you can kind of do what you want with it a bit more. I think, and I think I speak for every department when I say that.
4: There was a lot of talk of of there being of it being a fractious shoot in terms of especially between Sam Taylor and E.L. James. Was that your was, was it more fractious than other shoots that you've worked on?
5: No, I think you know. There's there's again you know there's pressures involved with everyone making a movie of this sort of scale and and um, not just Sam and, and Erica and you know everyone is feeling the pressure and 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 everyone is. Trying to do complete their role as best they can, and, and, and for Erica, that these are her babies, you know, they, they, she these mean more to her than anyone else. So, you, you've got when you've got the first movie, and you've got a director trying to do her thing, and you've got a writer wanting this, and but that I don't think anything occurred that I haven't seen before, yeah, on any other film. I think you know, there's just there's pressure making these movies
4: yeah well film sheets are pressured places only they they, by definition they, really are. they really are and often those ones that are just fun don't. the movie doesn't sort of turn out perhaps
5: yeah, well, yeah it depends really but yeah sometimes you need a bit of need a bit of angst and pressure to, to make things happen
4: your first ever film role was in Sophia Coppola's Marie Antoinette mm-hmm. which is a pretty cool place to start very cool place
5: to start I sort of all oh, can't believe that it started there because, you know, I would have happily done a couple of episodes of Doctors or something. <laughs> but it was a nice... Phi had just won an Academy Award and it was a lot of hype. I sort of can't believe it happened that way, in a way. I mean, and then I sort of basically
4: didn't work for about eight years. But um, <laughs> but it was a, g- a great place to start, yeah. People were just absorbing the magnitude of your performance, which I understand was <laughs> slightly <laughs> inspired <laughs> by, by Adam Ant. four minutes. Um,
5: Adam Hunt was definitely Sophia's um, inspiration in terms of the look it's such a fun thing oddly enough shooting Fifty Shades back to back there in Paris at the end the very final week of filming I stayed in the same hotel that I in sorry the same hotel room that I stayed in when I shot Marie Antoinette just the, coincidentally 11 years ago and and we shot in the opera house next door to the hotel which is where we shot the big masquerade ball scene of Marie Antoinette on my first day of professional filming ever we were in there again it was all very very strange and actually our, our our dp um 50 john schwartzman is sophia's cousin and is is jason schwartzman's brother yeah who was, who was in Marie Antoinette with me so it was very very strange suddenly being back there and it was like going back 11 and a half years
4: if that were me, I just want to go around and tell everyone that... Like, I probably did do that. <laughs> did you? Just, did. did you? They're
5: That's are like, you hey, go, go to craft service. Dornan's coming up. He's, <laughs> he's, he's got... bang on about how he was here 11 and a half years ago filming his first ever gig.
4: But it was the exact same hotel room? Honestly, Ex- it was the same hotel room. Very That's... strange. Yeah, that is pretty eerie. Uh, very, very strange. Was it fun by being back in Paris just generally to shoot I love, to shoot 50? I fifty? Paris, but with
5: 50 and the fandom of it um, doesn't really allow you for a normal Paris... Dirty Hotel and get a pint sort of situations What about Prague? Prague it, it's so easy to you know it's famous for its beer you know so it's so easy to get a good pint in everywhere and saying that I did end up which no Irish person should ever do end up in an Irish pub uh, anywhere but it happens all the time <laughs> and actually on um, like my first night out in Prague I ended up in this Irish pub having an awful pint of Guinness again you should never or Guinness outside of Ireland. But uh, I, I've suddenly found myself um, in this <laughs> Irish pub watching, you know, sort of Gaelic
4: football. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but pride. This Fifty Shades has become sort of people's fixture Valentine's Day movie. I wonder what your romantic Valentine's Day go-to film would be.
5: I have two very young children now, uh, so uh, Valentine's Day, you know, if we can just... It's frozen. get the kids to bed and... <laughs> And get yeah the songs from Frozen out of our heads, and cook some dinner, and open a bottle of wine, then we've done well. With. <laughs>
4: I have to let you go in the not too distant future but um, I wanted to uh, ask you about um, a couple of things first of all after Marie Antoinette you moved on to a sort of small British film um, and a good one too Shadows in the Sun oh, yeah. in which you worked with Jean, the, the mighty Jean Simmons oh, from, from Spartacus and yeah. Guys and Dolls oh, and
5: she was you know, God rest her soul one of my favourite people I've ever met and ever worked with definitely she had the best stories and the the, the most shining you know, glint on her eye that I've ever seen um, and that was her last that was her last ever job Jean died about a year and a half after we after we filmed it and um, she just, you know will you ever will I ever probably not get to work with someone again who you can just go so Jean, do you mind me asking, what was Brando actually like? <laughs> can we talk about Frank Sinatra for a while I mean, insane or horrid shoes and all these people that she knew and worked with and maybe loved and you know, it's um, Incredible and just so willing to talk about it all. Yeah, I love Jean very much. Um, And and unfortunately, you know, her name is also, you know, synonymous. You know, people say Jean Simmons, they think you're talking about (laughs) the guy from Kiss. And then, oh, it's find it's such a sort of, Mm. I'm always trying to learn people about what Jean brought to the world and how her body of work was incredible. And like even her first ever job, she, she was like the body double for, um, for Vivian Lee in some film where they rolled her up her Vivian Lee's character had to be rolled up in a in a rug and thrown into the sea. And back then she was Jean was sixteen at the time and just gone over from Cricklewood in North London where she grew up and they literally rolled her up in a rug and threw her into the <laughs> sea. Like that was her first day of like professional in, in, in Hollywood. Like like, so Jean we're just going to roll you up and it's going to be like Vivian's character just rolled up into the rug and like, thrown in the sea. And they had a couple of dudes in wetsuits sort of like clambering around in the, in the water trying to like get her up after she said it was insane but then the next year after that signed this like you know big picture deal with MGM or whoever it was and, and did Spartacus the next year when she was like you know 17 or something like that and got nominated for an Oscar and then that was, that was it she was off but a remarkable woman I loved her very much
4: you have, obviously, we mentioned earlier, Louis Drax, mm-hmm. which is an adaptation of a novel, sort of a mystery, psychological mystery thriller. Yeah, yeah I think it's
5: quite a kind of hard novel and quite a hard movie to sort of just categorise very fast. It's, um, it's a real melting pot of different genres, I think, um, which makes it kind of interesting.
4: And you play a neurologist. I play a neurologist, yeah. So, yeah, do you know like more? Of... Maverick, sort of slightly
5: offbeat neurologist, not your everyday brain doctor, I guess. He, he's kind of a
4: out there um, approach to, to modern medicine. And um, one more poster for your friends to deface was a Netflix yeah. show Siege of Jadotville, which is a true yes. story, isn't it?
5: Yes, that is. A, that's an incredibly true story. Again, with, with this, that's an Irish story, and and I didn't even know it, which is you know sacrilege probably, but it was it was un, unknown, and actually hoping that this this movie sheds a, a lot of light. And already the, uh, the boys of a company who were out there in the Congo and were involved in this sort of insane siege uh, are getting recognition. Those who are still left are finally getting some recognition for their efforts because it was heroism on a level that's sort of unparalleled uh, in, in terms of in, in Irish history certainly so um, yeah there's a lot of a lot of me <laughs> the
0: next couple of months after seeing yeah.
4: that. You'll be getting some text messages, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Jamie Dorn, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for chatting to us Thanks on the podcast. Me. Thank you.
0: Let's talk movies. Let's talk movies that are out this week. Movies you can see with your eyes and you can pay for with your money. Uh, we're going to start with a big old sausage party.
1: Uh, just like every day then.
0: Yep. Boom, boom, boom.
1: This is uh, a film, an animated film. That... <laughs> <laughs>
0: Shut up. Well... Yeah, should we just that, stop there? Move on to next week's? Do you want me to do this or not? Yeah, okay.
1: So this is an animated film literally about sausages and other foodstuffs that are alive in the supermarket. And through an unfortunate series of events, they learn that their destiny is not to go to a brighter and happier place when they leave the supermarket. It is instead to be cruelly mistreated and indeed eaten alive or boiled or chopped <laughs> by humanity. And uh, and, and they take... Take issue with this and try to find another way, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's a toy story but with food. Tell the kids.
1: It's it don't do any of what Johnny just said. None of that. Do not do that. Because this is very much not a kids animated movie. It is uh, obviously as you'd expect given the voice cast here, you know, you've got Seth Rogan, you've got Michael Serra, you've got that whole crowd basically. Mm-hmm. Who am I forgetting? Danny McBride's in there, Bride, Kristen Wigg is Johnny in there. Jonah Hill
0: Edward Norton
1: Edward Norton yeah Mm -hmm.
0: Edward Norton
1: doing an impression of someone else and quite a good one as well actually
0: so good in fact I didn't realise it was Ed Norton until a a certain point in the movie indeed
1: but there is swearing from the get go and and there is as far as can be said of food (coughs) sexual content so
2: surprisingly arousing sexual
0: content
1: speak for yourself but okay
0: I speak for myself and Chris <laughs> that, that was a one time deal Johnny <laughs> you know that Seth Rogen is Frank who is a hot dog he's a frankfurter mm-hmm. that's a clever name for a it hot is, dog is isn't it they really they knocked off as was writing that one and uh, Kristen Wiig your pardon Kristen Wiig is a hot dog bun called Brenda and their boyfriend and girlfriend although they're in packaging they've never met but they're you know betrothed and yeah. they're they're promised to each other and they know that on July 4th uh, hopefully they'll be bought together and they'll be unwrapped and they'll enter into a, a state of ecstasy in which the hot dog enters the hot dog bun. Um, this is in no way a metaphor, kids. Yeah. But also and, it is. Um, but it actually happened. <laughs> yeah, so that's their, their their story is that he they kind of get separated and Frank has to step up to his uh, he has to discover the hero within and mm. everything is alive and yeah, all that sort of not all that sort of jazz, but uh, it's I th- I thought this was often really funny, in a very knowingly raucous and raunchy and politically incorrect way. It, it sets out to offend everyone, and in doing so, I think it actually has this very very lovely inclusion <laughs> inclusiveness, if you will. Nobody goes unremarked upon in this one. I would say there's lots of foodstuffs that yes. How do I how do I explain Ethnic
1: this? Ethnic food stuffs.
0: Yes, lots of ethnic foodstuffs uh, join in the fun and get the fun hazed, the fun. so to speak. But uh, this is this is a really interesting year, uh, I feel, because you know. We're all a little bit. We're all, we're all. jaded, cynical hacks here. We've all seen movies. We've all seen at least ten movies. And this year, I'm on nine. You're on nine. I'm, I'm hoping to get to ten. If you see this twice, that counts. Okay, great. It's fine. <laughs> Two National Treasure movies and this twice, and you're you're golden. Uh, we've you know we think that everything the movies have thrown pretty much everything that you can possibly see at you, and then. 2016 gives you Swiss Army Man which we'll talk about in a later podcast Mm. which I think is just amazing then we have The Greasy Strangler which is like nothing I've ever seen and then there's this Sausage Party the last 10-15 minutes of this is I'd say a cinematic first and yeah uh, it's it's really funny I, I thought and uh, didn't Toy Story end the same
2: way I can't, I'm, no, I'm hazy no, on no. that no it, it,
1: it really really didn't and I'd like to uh, on behalf of our lawyers I'd like to make that clear um, but I, I didn't love this as much as some people but I did laugh and, and you're right it is audacious
0: audacious so. is
2: the right word yeah okay. I, I'm, I'm more with Helen I thought it was funny in parts but I didn't laugh as long and hard
0: as I would have liked to mm.
2: but I did laugh
0: yes and when you laugh, I think you laugh. You laugh long and hard enough to cover the the sort of longers and the moments when the comedy is a l- little bit flat. But the audacity of the last 10-15 minutes, I think, makes up for for any jokes that maybe don't quite hit the target. But yeah, I'd say the only only bum note for me, really, apart from sometimes the comedy does fall a bit flat. I'm not a big fan of Nick Kroll, I'll be honest, and he's the bad guy of the movie. Mm. Uh, he plays a well. I'm not going to reveal it because I think that's the joke. The joke of the character is it's a one note. Uh, one note character and a yeah, one joke character and
1: it's it's one of the bits where the movie kind of falls down and it's yeah women are awful terrible characterizations. Mm. but, you know, but
0: yeah. but yeah but Nick Kroll, um, uh yeah maybe someone could point me in the right direction of something where I would like something Nick Kroll's done but so far I remain immune to his charms nevertheless Sausage Party we gave four stars to four stars four stars and to Sausage Party uh, I held up three fingers as I was saying that because I'm an idiot. Okay, and then four stars for sausage Party. And next up we have Morgan, directed by Luke Scott, another one of the directing Scots. Uh, and this one's about a group of people who are terrorised by an unstoppable creature called Morgan, which is completely unrealistic. Who wants to take this one?
1: <laughs> um, wow. I will talk about this. I only saw this yesterday, if you want. Yeah, great. So we open with Kate Mara playing Lee Weathers, who's a corporate risk management consultant, I think is the job title. She's She's sent to, anyway, a remote research base that her company owns to assess what's happening after there is a terrible incident uh, on the base. Basically, this particular research lab has been working on developing a sort of synthetic life form so it's synthetic dna mixed with kind of machine intelligence and growing into this what looks like a person called morgan who is played by anya taylor joy from the witch uh, if you remember that which Mm -hmm. in which she was also fantastic she's very good here and basically it's lee's job to figure out is morgan sort of redeemable because she is responsible for this this uh, violent incident is there something fundamentally wrong with her do they need to stop the program can they keep it going um, and and basically what needs to be done. That's her job. Uh, She has to figure it out. And uh, the research team are a kind of close-knit unit filled with really good character actors. I have to say, you've got the likes of Toby Jones in there, Michelle Yeoh, Rose Leslie, really, really interesting people and they sketch out those characters quite quickly and quite interestingly. And then we sort of get into this kind of I guess cat and mouse game a little bit with Morgan. Can she be trusted? Is she okay? Uh, Is she a sort of a research subject worth? investing in is she something more is she is she a person who should be treated like a person so there's kind of some interesting questions there unfortunately the film can't decide which one of them it wants to answer uh, and so it sort of just devolves into a kind of a generic action movie by the end which i think is a bit of a disappointment i feel like if you're going to make a film by artificial intelligence which this kind of is you need to that that is an that is an existential threat to the human race that is something that we have to as a species at some point when we reach a single we have to deal with that you know does it supplant us does it sort of help us along and this isn't that movie because it's just devolves into a bit of fighting um, and there's no sense of threats from morgan in the wider sense so i feel like that the film just feels a little bit small potatoes and i think you could have on the same budget with the same cast have made a really interesting powerful film and that's not what they've ended up with and i don't think it's that wasn't what they were going for i think it was what they're going for i think that's the problem. I get the sense that that was what they were trying to do, and they just didn't do it, which is much worse than if they just set out to make an interesting action movie.
2: The thing you say about the, the, the actors, because uh, Paul Giamatti's in it as well, yeah. and like he comes in, and you know that's the moment when he comes in. It's about forty minutes in, yeah. where you're like, okay, now the stories are really about to like kick into the next gear. You're right, and it completely runs out they run they, they run out of story completely rather than taking it to the next level and instead it devolves into the, a film that you weren't expecting probably don't want
1: yeah I mean I'll, I'll be honest I, I I think I wrote the review for this and I said the, the same thing that scene should have been the sort of the, in the way that hunger had that centerpiece two people across the table facing each other that almost should have been the hunger scene uh, in this film and, and it sadly isn't it looks beautiful mm-hmm. um, Luke's got a great cast I mean you know fair play to him but I, I just I, it doesn't it doesn't work as a film so yeah two stars from us
0: that's a shame two stars two stars and for uh, Morgan Which not is... another alien
1: no sadly no And just I think...
0: another Blade Runner
1: no I think it wants to be but sadly no
0: sadly no Okay, so there we go Two stars for Morgan And uh, ending off the week's Big reviews We have Brotherhood uh, The return of Noel Clark is star, writer and director Of the trilogy that he began With Kittlehood and Adulthood This one's Brotherhood Emma Thrower has joined us People just keep popping Into the pub booth As if by magic <laughs> in this episode an And it's kind of weird And I really need to You know, kind of Seal up that trap door Because <laughs> I've seen Too many horror movies And I know where that ends um, So, Emma Tell us about Brotherhood. Yeah,
6: so for those who haven't followed these films over the last decade, Brotherhood's the third and final part in Noel Clark's Alt Slash Erhood trilogy. I believe that's the uh, official name. Alt um, Slash,
0: slash Er. It's not as catchy as a Marvel Cinematic Universe, is Not quite, is it? not know, quite. That's okay. not
1: catchy either. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what do you mean it's not catchy? That phrase has become the number one topic of conversation at uh, the breakfast table.
1: In your house? In
0: my house. And in the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
6: okay, sure. Yeah.
0: And generally speaking, anywhere where I am. Hey, I anyway,
6: let's talk about Noel Clarke. Oh yeah, Noel Clarke. So back yeah. to uh, back to this one. Uh, the first installment, Kid Hoods saw Clarke play a young delinquent called Sam Peel, who murdered a fellow student and he's been paying for it ever since. So he's had a spell in prison, but now he's got a a solid family base around him including two young small little children Aww. but his past is of course still haunting him <gasps> right so this isn't a version of West London that many will connect with but it's also a version of West London that many will connect with many people myself included to an extent have sort of grown up with Sam and that character and I do really strongly think that this final part will make fans happy mm. even though it is quite neat when it all comes down to it So just like the way that Sam sort of moved away from the life that he once led, there's progression in the way that Clark sort of allows the film to view the world too. So I'd say most notably is his inclusion of Poppy, who's played by Rosa Codiori, whose name I've probably terribly pronounced, who, although she's as quick to mouth as the boys around her, she definitely demands sort of self-respect and she always calls the boys out for their blatant misogyny, which is kind of jarring, but it is quite nice to see in there actually. And there's little touches like that throughout Brotherhood, sort of proving that Clark really does have flair for the projects that he's passionate about. He's got this genuinely really, really touching montage that follows a particularly shocking moment that obviously I don't want to talk about. And there's sporadic little patches of comedy throughout as well. It's still tough and sometimes quite hard to watch in places just like the other two. But Mm -hmm. to be honest, this doesn't remotely break the mould like the first one. But it's not trying to be anything more than it is. And I think that that's kind of the point. So it's really, really fiercely loyal to the story that Clark started. But that does mean that some outsiders will definitely, definitely struggle Mm. with it. But what I think everyone will appreciate, there's Arnold Oseng, who plays this character called Henry. And he's sort of the light relief throughout it. He's Sam's best friend. But there's this really weird running gag about like a Sainsbury's club Card, but it's it's very, very cool. Uh, and Stormzy, for all you, uh, you young whippersnappers out there, Stormzy's also pretty fun in his first proper role as a guy called Yards, who's someone that we all sort of see as a younger version of Sam. Mm-hmm. Terry reviewed this for us. And as she put at the end of her review, it does lack some of the punch of the first two. And I agree, but I'd argue that this is because it's a different story about Sam trying to move away from violence this time. But it does, again, as she said, remain a unique look at the realities of British inner city life and that was a three star review from us three oh,
0: stars nice. three stars indeed
6: I genuinely think that all the fans will be pleased with how he's finished it, it off it's, it's a nice send
1: off it's kind of his rocky in a way isn't it yeah. like just keeps coming back to the character a little bit down the line and seeing
6: how he's progressed yeah someone someone just uh, messaged me a minute ago although I feel this is very much tied up and it's the trilogy done he was like yeah well, adulthood will come along again <laughs> so who knows right
1: adulthood
6: adulthood <laughs> That's not a word. I mean no
1: I know. No, whereas kiddlehood kiddul- is uh, oh, no, absolutely fine. Is. is a play on a word. That that's a play on two words, it just doesn't work.
2: Adulthood, I like it. But yeah, oh, I like bit. it. Adulthood is like adulthood but with a D in front of it, so it is yeah. a play. It's more of a play. It's a it's a more successful
0: play.
1: I'm How going to ignore so? you. <laughs> Johnny's onto something.
0: Three stars then for Brotherhood, the prequel to Dad Oldhood, and then Granddad Al- Grand Granddad Oldhood, Granddad Grand Oldhood, I
6: can't even say that, and
0: then Great Granddad Oldhood, and so on and so forth until uh, the Hood. end of time. Also out this week, then as you just heard, of course, Jamie Dornan was our guest this week. The Ninth Life of Louis Drax, directed by Alejandra Aja. Uh Three stars for that one. Three stars for that, and three stars also for Cafe Society, the latest Woody Allen movie, and the latest movie to team Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart as well. Both three stars, as we always say here, a recommendation worth your time. And that's it for this week's Empire Podcast, sponsored by American Airlines. Uh, join us next week for more film related fun, where we'll be joined by Captain Fantastic himself.
1: Yes. <gasps> I love his movies. Figo Mortensen. Best Marvel. Ca- oh. oh, that one. Yeah, he's also the best. <laughs>
0: He's no, cool. He's proper good. Proper good. All right. Excellent. That's very, very good. Uh, until then, until I met this occasion, it's goodbye from... Who will it be? <laughs> <laughs> could be anybody. Okay. Johnny. Uh, bye. <laughs> there we go. It's goodbye from Emma, who will disappear as mysteriously as she appeared.
1: Hi. Bye. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's goodbye from Helen. Toodles. And it's goodbye from me. Uh, you know what I'm, I'm going to do? What are you going to do? I'm going to go to www empirelive.com you need another W. what no wonder it wouldn't go through <laughs> I've been using your credit card as well um, www is that right
6: yeah
0: dot Live dot com mm-hmm. and I'm going to book my tickets for empire live oh, see you there that's Excellent. what I'm going to do that's what I you know what and you should do too
6: you should do too
0: see you next week bye